You know, our nation was formed by the throwing off of authority. Earlier, or about a month ago, we celebrated uh, our declaration of independence. Remember, make a big deal about it. Shoot off fireworks and stuff. And you know, if you're ever in England on July 4th, it's not nearly as big a holiday. <laughs> but it was a, uh, a just revolution. Uh, there wasn't a, the allowing of adequate representation. The taxation was excessive and all the rest. My point's not that we should go back and be a colony of England again. But I think it's just that as Americans, we tend to value independence a whole lot more than we do submission. And I think when we get to talking about this, uh, this subject of authority, we need to be careful not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. See, the problem isn't authority. The problem can be the abuse of authority. Authority is designed by God, as we've seen in this series. And we need, as we've seen, to get under what it is that God puts over us. As we've talked throughout this, as much as we can for as long as we can. And we've also seen that this starts by our submitting ourselves to God's authority over us. His total and complete control over us. If you haven't reached inside your celebration folder and pulled it out yet, do so, these message notes, and look at the first verse that's right there at the top. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6, Peter says this, he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. See, that's what you're doing. You're bringing yourselves under authority. He says, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. It starts with getting under God's umbrella, getting under what God's put over us, letting God be in total and complete control over us, getting under that. But we've also seen in this series that that extends itself to human authority in four places, in the government, at uh, work, in the home, and in the church. And we've called this series the umbrella because the point is when we get under what God has put over us, that's the place of protection, that's the place of blessing, That's the place of God's work in us. But today, we're going to deal with that last area. I don't have time to, you know, if if this is, you know, if you're just coming the first part of this and you missed the first part of the movie, I don't have time to go back everything we've covered. Go online and listen to those messages or buy the CDs, whatever. But today, I want to focus our thoughts on just that last area, and that is getting under authority in the church. And so here's the first point. That God wants you to be under the authority of a local church. Be committed there. Be a ministry partner there. Give financially there. Serve there. Plant both feet firmly in a specific local church. Now, sometimes people will say things, I hear them, they say things like this, well, you know, I just go 
to wherever God leads me on any kind of given Sunday. Or I've heard people say things like, well, you know, I just sort of go here for a while and then, you know, maybe I'll go over here for a while and then I kind of sense to go over here for a while. I just kind of do that. Well, I just want you to know that kind of thinking is really just an excuse for not being under anybody's authority, isn't it? See, I'm not going to be under anybody's umbrella. I'm just going to be under my own umbrella. And that's a formula for ineffectiveness for the kingdom of God. People say, well, you know, I'm just part of the universal church. You know, all believers everywhere. I'm just, I'm just part of the universal church, and that's enough. But I want you to try that line of thinking with other areas in your life. Try it with your work. You know, let's say you're an electrician. Tomorrow morning when you get up, just think, you know, I'm just going to go wherever God leads me to work today. I'm part of the universal electricians, you know. And I'll just go to this job or this work site or for this company. It's not going to work, is it? Or try it with your family. You know, I'm just part of the universal family. So maybe for a few days I'll go home at this place. Maybe next week I'll go over home over here. and See, it doesn't work. God wants you to be part, to plant both feet firmly in a local church. Because, you see, the pattern of the New Testament was to plant churches, to establish local congregations, and then to set up an authority structure in those churches. They appointed elders. They appointed leaders, and then for the people of God there to cooperate with that authority, those authorities, so that the work of God, the kingdom of God, advanced. Now, it's going to happen. People, you know, will sometimes leave one church and go to another, and you know, that's okay. In fact, it happens around here. Sometimes people uh, leave new life and go to another church. And that's okay. We're not the church for everybody. But here's what my advice is, if that's you, is wherever you are, wherever you go, plant both of your feet firmly there. Don't just flit around. Don't just hide out in a pew. Don't just stay anonymous. Get involved there. Join there. Serve there. Plug into whatever they do, however they do it, to advance the kingdom. Plant both of your feet firmly there. Now, because we are a church planting movement, you know, sometimes that can get a little fuzzy around here because people will leave New Life Gehenna and go be a part of a church that we're planting. And we're thrilled when that happens. See, our opinion, our view is not that we're supposed to hold on and hoard our people. No, our desire is to launch God's people out so that the kingdom of God goes forward, so that the gospel is spread, so that Jesus' name goes to every crack and crevice. That's what we're about. But because we do that, sometimes it can get a little fuzzy because, you know, we're planting a new church over here, and they're just kind of getting on their legs and that kind of stuff. But our advice is always the same. And that is, as it begins to congeal there, as that church gets established, then don't try to live a little here and a little there. Don't do that. 
You need to get under one church's umbrella and plant your feet firmly there. Now, let me talk a little bit about church membership. Because, uh, you know, we call it ministry partnership around here. But this area of church membership, you know, some people get all hot and bothered about it. So let me just kind of talk about it for a minute. And one of the things that people that this seems to bother will always say is, is uh, but, but there's no church, ver- I mean, there's no uh, Bible verses about it. And, and that's right. You can't turn to 2 J 2.11, you know, and read, join a church. I mean, there, there is no Bible verses that talk about specifically about becoming a member of a church. But I would also say, There are no Bible verses about shampooing your hair or wearing deodorant or cutting your toenails. But that doesn't make it wrong to do those things, does it? I mean, you can't turn to a Bible verse about using a breath mint. But, you know, if the guy next to you, you know, maybe would benefit from that sage advice, you might want to mention that to them at some point. You see... There are Bible verses, though. It is the teaching of the Bible that we are to bring ourselves under the authority of leaders in the local church. And that's really all membership is. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. This is one of those passages. It says this. It says, obey your leaders and what? Submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. So obey them so that their work will be a joy and not a burden. For that would be of no advantage to you. See, it's really just a matter of commitment. And to have any sort of impact, you need to plant your feet firmly. Both of them somewhere. Because God's system is the local church. It's the pattern of the New Testament. Look at um, Matthew chapter 16, beginning with verse 16. It says, Simon Peter answered, he's talking to Jesus here, and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Jesus says it's his church. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. We can't ever forget that it's Jesus' church, can we? Jesus' church built on Peter's proclamation. And as you read the book of Acts, you see that they established a local church there in Jerusalem. And that church then spread throughout the Roman Empire and throughout the world. And as you read the epistles, you see that they went to place after place after place. And they would establish, they would plant local churches. And so I believe God wants you to be under the authority, under the umbrella of a local church. Join it. Commit to it. Give there. Serve there. Don't just be flitting around accountable to nobody but yourself. Here's the second point. Is that the example of the New Testament church 
was leadership by a plurality of elders. Not a pastor howitzer, big chart me, everybody else, but a plurality of elders. That's the biblical example. Multiple elders who are the decision makers for the church. Now, I don't know if you've been a part of other churches. We're a mixed bag here. But can I tell you, my opinion is that most American churches are really set up to be ineffective. And that the leadership structure in most American churches are more designed to keep everybody happy than they are to be effective at accomplishing the mission of Jesus. And so let me give you a couple biblical principles. Here's the first. Is that the direction, this is what the Bible teaches, that the direction of the church should be in the hands of godly individuals. That's who should be setting the direction. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Here's a key passage on this. It says, this is a trustworthy saying. That if someone aspires to be an elder, church leader, be an elder, he desires an honorable position. And so an elder must be a man whose life is above reproach. Not not perfect, but a life above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. And he must enjoy having guests in his home. And he must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not love money. He must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? And an elder must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. And also people outside of the church must speak well of him so that he will be so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. These are the conditions. These these who should be the the decision makers, the the ones who set the direction for the church. See, it's not a popularity contest. It's not a matter of, well, who's been around here the longest? It's not a matter of who's got the most money or who has the most power, but godly individuals who would set the direction for the church. Here's a second biblical principle that goes with that. That then the decisions of the church should be in the hands of those who are responsible for it. Again, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 says this. It says the elders, and then pay attention to this next phrase, who direct the affairs of the church. Who is it that is to direct the affairs of the church? The elders, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double of double honor, especially those who work in preaching and teaching. Now, most churches, because they're designed to make everybody happy. Everybody gets to decide what we do, even though everybody 
isn't responsible for making it happen. Can I tell you, that is a formula for ineffectiveness. I mean, how would you like it if that was the way it was on your job? You were the one responsible for making it happen, but everybody gets to decide what it is you're supposed to do. We want you to make this product. And uh, needs to cost under a dollar. And um, needs to have like uh, 400 moving parts and be made out of titanium. Okay, Bob, your responsibility is to make it happen. I mean, it's not going to work, right? It's a ludicrous setup. The person who's responsible, the people who are responsible, need to be the ones who get to make the decisions. And in the church, that's the way it is. Godly individuals who are appointed for the purpose of setting the direction of making the decisions for the local church. Let me show you this in action, a biblical example. We see it in Acts chapter 15. There was an issue that came up. Let's just, you can read the whole thing later, but let's just give you the Cliff Notes version here. Verse 1, it says, While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived, and they began to teach the believers that unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you can't be saved. And Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them. Arguing vehemently. And finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to who? The apostles and the elders about this question. See, there was, there was a disagreement in the church. There were those who were saying, we are saved by grace. It's the blood of Jesus. And if we will surrender ourselves to him and, and, and receive his death on the cross to pay for our sins, that's all it takes to be made right with God. And there were others who said, yeah, no, 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 we understand the cross and we understand Jesus dying for us. But, but in addition to that, you've got to follow the law. You've got to do what it says in the Old Testament. And so there was this dissension. Is it law or is it grace? And so what they did is... They took it to the elders, to the apostles and the elders to decide. So much so, verse 6 gives us what happens. It says, so the apostles and the elders met together to resolve the issue. Did you you see that? They, They didn't put it to a vote. The decision and the direction issues were decided By the elders, godly individuals who were selected to set the direction for the church. Now, this third point, I think, is where it kind of gets real, either for us or for we see happening to people around us. And here's what it is. It's that for the past 2000 years, the church has continually gotten off track By pastors and leaders who abuse authority and Christians who refuse authority. You know, pastors who are really just on power trips, like what you saw in the skit. Guys who run around quoting, misquoting, you know, passages like 1 Samuel 26, and they say, 
You don't touch the Lord's anointed as though that means that they have carte blanche right to call all the shots and they're not accountable to anybody but straight to God. Abusing authority. That's why, by the way, God's plan is a plurality of elders. See, no single person has all the power. But some of you are thinking, okay, well, but, but what do I do when I disagree with something that's going on in the church? Well, let me tell you first what you don't do. You don't just up and leave. Or you don't gripe about it. Or go out and recruit a group of followers who will join you in the combined effort of griping about it. Here's what you do. You talk to the right people the right way. Hey, you've heard that before in this series, haven't you? See, these, these aspects intermingle with themselves. So they're about getting under what God's put over us. When you disagree in the church, you talk to the right people in the right way. Now, at New Life, that might be talking to the lead pastor. Pastor Steve is the one who's given the most responsibility and the most influence around here. Maybe you have a conversation with Pastor Steve. It might be that you talk to an elder. Or if it's a big enough issue, you talk to all the elders. Here's a, a slide at New Life. We have five elders here, godly individuals who have the responsibility of making the decisions and setting the direction for our church. Perhaps you talk to one of them. Are you, again, big enough issue, you ask for a meeting with all of them. It might be that you talk or ask to talk to a specific pastor or a specific church leader. If it's personal, then you follow the biblical model. Again, God's way is always the best way, right? You follow the biblical model and you go and talk to them directly. You know, a lot of times what happens is we want to make something a church issue, but it's really not a church issue. It's just a conflict it's a problem between you and them you know when i was a a senior pastor i had this happen to me a few times people wanted to oh we're all upset about this in the church but the truth of the matter is they just didn't like me i know it's hard to believe they just didn't like me <laughs> but see their issue wasn't with the church their issue was with me and when it's a personal issue here's what god's word says matthew chapter 5 Verse 23 and 24, it says, So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar and you go and you be reconciled to that person. Then you come and offer your sacrifice to God. You go to that person. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 says this, If another believer sins against you, go privately. And point out the offense, and if the other person listens and confesses it, you've won that person back. You, you don't have a committee meeting. You don't you know, rally a bunch of people. You go privately. You go to that individual. Now, just like we've talked at other places in this series, 
Being under authority doesn't mean that you can't disagree or that you can't express that disagreement. It just means that you do it in the right way. That you go to the right people. Here, this is important. So that disunity and dissension don't result from it. So that the kingdom work of God goes forward instead of backward. And if they agree with you, if there's something in you say that causes them to alter, maybe they're thinking on that, then you might become an influencer in helping that direction. Or if they don't agree with you, then you have to determine, is this a big enough issue maybe for me to leave the church over? Or maybe this is a situation where I just need to submit under their authority. Remember we said you don't have to agree to submit. It might be that you just determine, you know what, like we've said before, you may say this out loud or to yourself, I I don't think this is the right choice. It's not the way I would do it. But I am going to bring myself under your authority. And when I do it, that's I'm protected. Because now they are responsible to God. And you know, a whole lot of these situations that we run into, it's, it's really just a matter of we disagree. It's preference issues. It's personal like our our perspective issues. Now, when it's a matter of being unbiblical or being unjust, that's a whole different story. You understand that, right? See, when it's, a, when it's an issue of biblically disobeying what the Bible says, then, then you handle that differently. I think a great example that we have just comes from Christian history. In the 1500s, Martin Luther looked at a corrupt church. There was just one Christian church at that point, the Catholic, which means universal, the universal church. Martin Luther was a monk. He was a a teacher, a scholar in the church. And he saw the corruption that was going on. The church had become all about building buildings rather than it was about proclaiming the gospel of bringing people into this relationship with God and seeing their needs met as they surrendered themselves to God. It, it had gotten off track. It had become about building buildings. And so the church had began selling indulgences. You know, the whole teaching of purgatory was invented during this time. You won't find it in your Bible. It was invented so that they could say to people, oh, this loved one that you have, they've died and, and now they They aren't in heaven yet. But if you'll give some money, you can help get them there quicker. See, the church had become corrupt. Services were not in the language of the people, and it was for power's sake to keep the people having to be under their thumb. The word of God wasn't available to them in languages that they could read for themselves, and it was a power's sake. And Martin Luther came along and said, you know what? We're being unbiblical about this. And he persisted and he he kept trying to talk to the right people in the right way, but they wouldn't talk to him and they put him out. 
And so Martin Luther wrote 95 ways that he felt they had gotten off track, that they weren't being biblical in their practices, and he nailed them to the door in Wittenberg. Now, that doesn't mean if you have gripes around here that you tape them to the doors (laughs) around New Life. But because the right people wouldn't talk to them, Martin Luther did this for the purpose of saying, we need to talk about these things. We need to get back on track with how God says we should do things. And they put him out. They excommunicated him and all of his followers. His followers were called protesting religionists, which got to be shortened later to Protestants. We're part of that culture, of that happening there. But what I want you to see is sometimes we don't get a choice, but but when it is biblical error, We persist. We do it. We seek to do things the right way. And sometimes you just can't reach a conclusion. But always you're seeking to do it the right way. Now, most of our occurrences aren't like that, but there there are other things. And, And in fact, throughout Christian history, all sorts of awful things have happened because either leaders abuse authority... Our Christians refuse authority. I know of a church back here in Ohio who there was disagreement in the church over worship style. That's one of the biggest areas that churches disagree on. And the leaders of the church were making decisions to go in these directions that some other people in the church disagreed with. So here's what they did. They had T-shirts printed that said, thanks for destroying our church. And that's what they wore to to celebration on Sundays. Man, that really advanced the kingdom work of God, didn't it? Chuck Colson, in his book, The Body, tells about... um, a story, true story, of a church who were, were having some disagreements amongst the people, between the leaders and the people over some things. And the pastor got up one Sunday to speak, and a guy came out of the audience, and he pushed the pastor to the ground. And when that happened, one of the church leaders ran up and pushed this guy to the ground, and a fist fight broke out in the celebration service. Man, that really did God proud, didn't it? And it happens on the other end, too, all the time. Um, I have a book called Churches That Abuse, and in it it tells the story of, of a pastor one time who was watching a church league softball game that his church's team was playing in, and he was disagreeing with some of the choices of the coach. So he came out of the stands into the, you know, dugout area and began telling the coach how he needed to change things and the coach in essence said to him pastor you know i understand you're the pastor i appreciate you and you're my authority but you know this is softball not spiritual matters and and the pastor flew off the handle and began ordering all the people on the team to play you know the throw with their opposite hand so if they were right-handed they had to throw left hand and they had to put the glove on the wrong hand in order to embarrass them in order to teach them a lesson 
about not cooperating, not being under his authority. And when stuff like that happens, the non-Christian world around us looks and they go, there's nothing to that Christianity. And the work of Christ, the advancement of the kingdom goes backwards instead of forward. Pastors who are on power trips and people in the church who care more about things being the way they like it than about seeing God's work go forward. And when that occurs, what happens? Who, who loses when that, when that occurs? Let me tell you who does. We do. We miss seeing the work of Christ in us. We miss the protection of being under God's authority. And the kingdom of God misses being effective at accomplishing the mission of Jesus. You see, here's where I think we get it all messed up. The point of authority in the church is not control. The point of authority in the church is effectiveness. I mean, I mean, any organization where everybody just does whatever they think is right in their own eyes is going to be incredibly ineffective. They're not going to accomplish anything. And can I tell you, that's why a lot of churches don't. It's about effectiveness. And that's why the pattern of the New Testament... I mean, read the book of Acts. Read the epistles. The pattern of the New Testament was to establish local churches and to set up authority structures in those local churches to appoint elders, to appoint leaders, godly individuals who would bear the responsibility for the work of God there. And then for the people of God to get on board and get under... What God has put over them so that God's kingdom, God's kingdom agenda advances and God gets the glory. So he says, okay, so, so, so what I do when I disagree about something in the church, again, the pro, it's not that it's wrong to disagree. What I do when that happens, let me give you just four practical things. Here's what you do. I think first, you pray about it. You go to God and you say, God, is this, is, this, is this really an issue? Is it just me? Is it, you know, is this a big thing? And, and you seek God on it. You talk to God about it. And you see whether you get past it or if it persists inside of you. If it persists, then I think number two, you go to one or two, maybe three Trusted, wiser, godly individuals and seek their counsel. You don't talk about it to your whole small group. You don't gather a, a group of people around you and get them all riled up. You choose godly people, people who will have the maturity to be able to hear your issue without taking up your offense. And you say to them, help me work through this. Help me understand. Am I making too big of a deal of this? Is this? Help me think this through. And then if you determine 
But it's worth pursuing. It's a big enough issue. Then number three, you talk to the right people in the right way. And then four, if they still disagree with you, if they don't, you know, go the way that you want, then you have to determine, is this a situation where I make a change? Or is this a situation where I simply submit to their authority over me? And then you do those things. But see, the end goal, the end result is that the kingdom work of God goes forward rather than backwards. The end goal is not is that dissension and disunity and disrupting God's work doesn't come out of that. Because when we do it God's way, we're the ones who benefits. And the kingdom of God benefits. Now, can I tell you that I am grateful for new life? I mean, we're not a perfect church. But it's a church that was founded 25 years ago with the, with the vision of making kingdom impact. Of not just being another country club with a steeple that people just came and got their needs met and it really didn't matter about anybody but them. A church that had a vision and for 25 years they've stayed true. We've stayed true to that vision of being a church that's about making impact in Gehenna, extended to Columbus, extended to the whole United States, extended to the whole world. A church that wants to be a, a, a glove for the hand of God to work mightily through so that he gets the glory. It's a church that has a biblical leadership structure. Again, godly elders. All five of those men who are our elders here are people I respect who love God with all their heart and seek to honor and serve God, who are worthy of our honor, a godly leadership structure, godly men who set the direction and make the decisions for us as a church, a lead pastor who humbly seeks to listen to and learn from the heart of God. You know, I'm thankful for Pastor Steve. I'm thankful to be at a place, not a perfect place, but a place that's about the kingdom work of God. Now, if you're not a member, if you're not a ministry partner here, can I just encourage you to plant, make the choice to plant both of your feet firmly here or somewhere else. But get off the bubble You know, get off the incognito thing and plant your feet firmly here. You know, get involved in a small group. Stop hiding out. Get involved in a ministry here, serving. Because, you know, it takes all of us to accomplish the work. I mean, stop being a spectator if that's you. See, because the the end result is that we want to get under... What God has put over us for our sake, it's the place of blessing, it's the place of protection, it's the place of God's work in us, and for God's sake, so that the kingdom work of God advances and he gets the glory. Well, let's pray together. Would you bow with me? Lord God, help us to be, to continue to be that kind of church.
a church that moves forward because those who lead us lead us well and right and those of us who follow follow well and right and the end result is your glory god forgive us when we when we get it all messed up and it becomes about us help us stay true to your vision under your umbrella so that your kingdom advances god i pray for any any individuals that's here and Maybe they've been, you know, just kind of floating there. God, I pray that your spirit will really work in them, that you'll challenge them to really plant both of their feet firmly. Lord, for those who are here who, you know, maybe at one time we were up to our neck in ministry. But over time, we've just sort of waded out of the pond. Now we spend a lot of our time with water splashing at our ankles, looking around and complaining about things. God, I, I pray that you'll draw us back into the water, into the kingdom work that you want to do. And God, as, we, as we've just talked for these past few weekends about this subject of Authority of getting under what you've put over us, Lord. I, we're just reminded again that where it starts is being surrendered to you totally, completely under your umbrella. That you, Jesus, are the center of our lives. And so as we sing this song, I just pray that you'll receive it as our worship, as our expression to you of the meaning of our heart that we really do want you to be central. We really do want you to be in control. And so receive our worship now, we pray.